What's up, everyone? Welcome back to episode six of the Sports Inventory with your host, Ben Kuchapudi. And your favorite Hall of Famer, Tyler T.Z. Graham. All right, so we took a little time off for um for various reasons, but we're back. We're better than ever. And we're out here to talk about two stars in um, different sports that could be making their way to the Big Apple, and that is... Washington Nationals left fielder Juan Soto and Utah Jazz guard Donovan Mitchell. So how do we feel about uh, Juan Soto? Because there's a lot of teams that could be in use that could use his services. I uh, I'm in love with the kid. Um, he is a phenomenal athlete. Um, he's going to transcend this sport. Um, he's probably one of the best batters in baseball currently. He's averaging um, an astounding. Excuse me, uh, 490 right now, and as he's pushing into past this All Star break, he's averaging 405, and his numbers are insane. Um, he, well, I don't want. How do you say this, Ben? It's like he has the most. He's the most walked batter, but yet the least striking out batter. Uh, for lack of a better term, he's an, a master of the strike zone. Um, he's won basically Silver Slugger the past three years. Um, his on base percentage currently is 901, which is amazing and his slugging percentage is just through the roof and he's he's just awesome he's only 23 years old so young and he's got a bright 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 future in this league for many years yeah yeah but the thing about juan soto is there's a guy that for the rest of his career he's always going to be compared to or you know basically you know they're going to go back and forth the A-Rod, Derek Jeter kind of way, and that's Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, fun fact, Ben, when they both entered the league as rookies in 2018, they both were in the rookie, rookie of the Year race. And Ronald Acuna actually won Rookie of the Year, and Juan Soto came in second. But after that 2018 season, there's one thing that is becoming apparent to me regarding uh, Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto. Ronald Acuna is steady playing games. He's available. The only time he really took off was in 2020. Well, obviously COVID, stuff like that, but he played 47 games there. But Ronald Acuna is the only guy here that can't, for the past couple of years, has been declining in games. He's not playing the amount of games mm-hmm. that we want him to. And right, so the past three years, right, uh, Juan Soto in 2020 played 47 games. Then in 2021 played 151 games. Mind you, he had 654 plate appearances. Um, and in 2022, thus far, he's played 91 games. Ronald Acuna Jr. in 2020 played 46, and then in 2021 played only 82, and then this year he's only played 59, which is almost half the amount of games Juan Soto has played. I mean, as the case with any sport, the best ability is availability, and Thank right now Juan Soto just a lot more available in these games than Ronald Acuna. From from that COVID year of 2020, Juan Soto has taken a leap in his play. Um, in 2019, he was ninth in MVP voting, and then in 2020, he's fifth in it. And last year, in 2021, he was he came in second in MVP voting. And for the past three years, uh, from 2020 on to today, he's all he's won Silver Slugger every year, and he's been an All Star every year. Um, Ronald Acuna, he only won Silver Slugger back in 2022, but due to his injuries, they probably couldn't give him the award last year. But he only came in MVP voting in 12th in 2020 and obviously his injuries probably took him out of the MVP race for the past two years but that's the thing about these two players when they're healthy they're phenomenal but Ronald isn't the healthiest man while Juan Soto is probably one of the more reliable young stars in this league who's making an impact you know and it's amazing to see this this 
this amalgamation of stats. Like these guys are just ridiculous. But one thing I noticed with Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto when they're healthy is if you gave me two sheets of their stats and you just basically cross out their names and tell me who's who, it's very indistinguishable. The only difference between Juan and Ronald Acuna is base running. Um, Ronald Acuna, when it comes to stolen bases, in his five-year career, he has 98 stolen bases, while Juan Soto simply only has 37. So Juan Soto is not the runner that Acuna is, but Juan Soto's batting is just that much better. It's unreal. It's phenomenal. He knows the strike zone better than anybody else. Maybe the likes of Mike Trout. Like, he just knows how to handle it. And we can see that with the fact that he's walked a lot, and he rarely strikes out to Acuna. He's just that dominant. And many, many batters get... Uh, not batter, sorry. Pitchers get angry at the Soto shuffle and him antagonizing his pitcher. But he knows how to play this game. He knows how to get into the head of his opponents and basically just conquer the field once he gets to the plate. It's it's amazing. But um, these guys are so good. But Juan Soto, I think he severed his relationship with the Nationals after that decline of that 15-year, $440 million contract. Yeah, and plus the Nats didn't even fly Soto down for All-Star Weekend, which is kind of like almost like the final blow they don't want anything to do with each other ever since they won it back in 2019 the Nats have had the third worst winning percentage of all teams in the MLB and right now they're sitting at a league worst 31 and 64 record yeah um if I'm Juan Soto I know what I'm fully capable of whether in the play or in the outfield because in the outfield he rarely makes errors um as of this last year back in 2021 he made six which is it's a lot but He's really improved, and his fielding percentage is now 994. Um, Acuna is a 9.74 this year. Um, this guy is awesome, and he doesn't belong to be on the Nationals anymore. They're not what their World Series team was when Freddie Freeman was on it in 2019, where they had that great year. But that team is not there anymore. Nope, they're in a rebuild mode, and now Soto needs to take his talents to somewhere where he can play at a high level, but also win. Because winning as we know, is the most important thing in all sports. Yeah. And the thing about it, I was talking to my father about it, and he he mentioned how, oh, my God, I would take $440 million for 15 years. Obviously, we say that being, you know, I, I would say normal people day to day, right, Ben? But when you're the one of the best young outfielders in this game and have the potential to be one of the best of all time, um, 15 years – is basically a, a life sentence, you know? It, mind you, Ben, he is... How old is he now? He's 23 years old. If I sign a 15-year contract, I'm going to be talking to you when I'm 38 years old. That I don't want to be locked in Washington for 30 until I'm 38. Especially if they're going to be at this level for this long. Exactly. And the front office in Washington isn't making the moves appropriate to surround Soto or even, you know, bolster some of their positions. So the problem with it is Juan Soto wants out, and that's fine because that team that won a World Series isn't there anymore, you know? And if I'm Juan Soto, I want to show my talents on the biggest team, the biggest stages, time and time again because he's healthy. He can play the game of baseball, and he's going to be here. God willing, you know, we can knock on wood that he doesn't get injured like his counterpart, Ronald Acuna. But he wants to go to a bigger market. He wants to go to a bigger place. And I think there is no bigger place than New York. And that's that's without a question. And right now, 
both New York teams, the Mets and the Yankees, are the best teams in the MLB. And we can't we couldn't say that about that for the longest time. And the biggest thing with them right now, injuries. There's no injuries with this team. Um, Aaron Judge and John Carlos staying healthy for the Yankees, and um, which is a sight to see because you never see that either one or the other is injured. Yeah, everyone is just staying healthy for both of these teams, and that's the biggest reason why both of these teams are likely going to win the division. Why the Yankees are right now the best team in the MLB, and both of these teams are very likely destinations for Juan Soto. But the thing about the trade packages, they're going to get interesting. Because both teams do have the assets, of course, to supply the Nationals with not only prospects, but proven players. Um, But there's one player that's going to make this thing really interesting if they go to the Bronx instead of Queens. And it's Aaron Judge. Yeah, and Aaron Judge, this is... Honestly, if I'm the Yankees, I feel like I get this trade done because it doesn't only help you now. It helps you in the future. Because Aaron Judge, he might leave this team in the offseason because... You know, he's a Bay Area kid. A lot of the team, a lot of the players on the Yankees are from the New York, New Jersey area. Aaron Judge is from the other side of the country. He grew up in the Bay Area. He went to Fresno State. And, you know, if a team comes knocking on the door like the San Francisco Giants, he might be wanting to play for them because he wants to play in front of his family for half the time. And it's, it's obviously a hike to get from New York to the West Coast. So... If San Francisco comes calling Aaron Judge, he might just go lead the Yankees to them. And if getting someone like Juan Soto is huge for them because you have a player who could play aside him for years to come and they're going to stay competitive with him. And although the Yankees are have the best record right now, they haven't shown that they can win in the playoffs. And getting someone like Soto can help them win in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So if I'm the Yankees, I need to get this trade done and I need to have Aaron Judge stay a Yankee for life. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, but also, I think it can come down to what happens with the postseason. Because if you acquire Juan Soto now, right, you you regard whatever would happen with Aaron Judge come postseason. But let's say you stick it out with Aaron Judge and you win a World Series this postseason. What then? Aaron Judge becomes up on contract. He got his ring. So then does he walk? That's the thing. That's always a tough thing because a lot of players in all leagues, once you get that ring, you feel satisfied to go pursue the bag. That's true. That's that's exactly what happened with Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Yeah. Won the ring in Toronto, and then he went to pursue his um, career in L.A. where he wanted to be. With his family, and he got a fatty contract from mm-hmm. him as well. So I feel like if the Yankees do want to win a World Series, which obviously we would love the sight of that, being both Yankees fans, of course, we would love to see the parade in New York. But if that does happen... I think the only thing that happens is Aaron Judge does walk and he goes 3,000 miles west and he goes to California where his home is. So that's the thing. It's like, do you bank on securing the World Series and letting watching him walk or acquire Juan now, who, by the way, is from the Dominican Republic who has a strong population in New York. Well, I mean, everything has a strong population in New York. Exactly. But they do have a strong thing there. And I think we would make him just at home. You know, I think Juan would look really good in pinstripes. He would look absolutely amazing in pinstripes. And I think with the system that they have in New York, I think he would be great in the order. I think he could create a lot of offense. Because the thing about the Yankees sometimes, we're demolishing the league, but there's times where we have stalemates of innings where we can't really put bats on balls, and that's a problem. And Juan Soto is a guy that you could put him in the first, second, third, fourth, whatever inning, bottom or top, 
and he's going to just make contact because the guy is literally insane. His slugging percentage is 541 for his career, and this year it's nearly 500. Like, the guy makes, you know, puts bats on balls, and, and he's just awesome. He's, he's just, I, I just, it, it's amazing what this kid can do uh, with Acuna as well. But I think the Yankees are in a tough spot because you also kind of raised Aaron Judge in a way. That yeah. was your, you know, prototypical son. He was the poster child. He was. They have he has his own section in the stadium where it's like all rise and they have the, the caps and gowns and the gavels. That's the thing. It's like, are you gonna let go of this culture that he's experienced this whole time? Like let me give you an example, Ben. If you were drafted to a team, Benjamin, being, you know, mentally talented, and you watch this team go through the struggles of being, you know, first round wild card exits, things like that, losing time and time again, coaching changes, certain players joining, certain players being accused of using spider tax, stuff like that, right, Ben? Yep. The one season it finally looks good, you're traded. How would you feel? Not good. Not good. That's all I have to say. That's the thing. And I feel like if they do trade Aaron Judge, it would be somewhat of a betrayal. Because this is the kid that, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the longer-tenured Yankees on the team at this point. Mm-hmm. He has witnessed everything. You, he's re- witnessed Didi Gregorius in pinstripes and Girardi, a little bit of him, and all these other things. And he's just witnessed the Yankees' ups and downs, lefts and rights, good seasons, bad seasons, you know, all these things. And he's collected some hardware himself, being a phenomenal athlete and stuff like that. But the one season that it just finally looks like it's fine, we don't really have any problems like that, just little things we can improve on, and then you trade me, that might be a a massive betrayal. It's a huge betrayal. That's the thing. And that might be tough for the Yankees to deal with, but it's a business at the end of the day. And the Yankees, um, they do fall in love with their players, but I can see them doing this. It's not far-fetched. No, not at all. Yeah, not just the Yankees. There's another New York, another team that can acquire the acquire um Juan Soto. The New York Mets, and same situation with the Yankees. They're first in the NL East. This is their first year healthy. Degrom is healthy. Max Scherzer is healthy. But the difference with them is, I feel like they're gonna have, they're gonna have to definitely have to trade some fan favorite players mm. to get Juan Soto. One of them is gonna have to be Francisco Lindor. Yeah, the thing about the Mets, though, what's interesting about the Yankees that we made up the point is the Yankees have somewhat brought up their guys, bred them a little bit. Besides, like the old older guys like Carpenter and stuff like that. But this Mets roster is bought. This Mets roster is bought. So the thing about buying a roster is, if I have this player for five years, four years, even three years, I know what they're capable of in certain situations. I can see where they're going. Are they regressing? Are they progressing? Things like that. I can see directional patterns, right? But if I buy a guy for one year, not even a year because this is their first year for a lot of those players, Marte, Scherzer, all these guys, if this is the first year for these guys, am I going to be hesitant to let them go in a trade to acquire one of the best young outfielders this decade and beyond we'll ever see? I don't know. Because there's the old adage of like, do I want to see what I built work out or am I quick to let it go if I just see a glimpse of errors, you know? And the thing about the Mets package is like, what would they deal with? Like you mentioned Lindor, but Lindor is a fan favorite just like Judge is. 
I've known Mets fans. They love that kid. They love his demeanor. They love the way he just walks to the plate. They love the way he rounds the bases after a home run. They love his energy to baseball because he represents baseball. Swagger, stats, hitting frozen ropes to left field, watching the Big Apple pop up in the center field. They love that. And just like Judge, are you willing to let that go to acquire Juan Soto? It's going to really hurt for Mets fans. As much as they might want Juan Soto, if you're going to have to give up Lindor, it's going to... It's going to rip the hearts of a lot of Mets fans because he's the fan favorite for yeah. that team. And the thing about it is, um, what's how hungry are the Nationals to acquire either team, stars, prospects, whatever? Because the thing about trades when you're in control of your player is you can hear offers and you can decline them and accept yeah, them. Yeah, you have... Uh... Yeah, you want if you're a GM of a team, obviously you want to get the best return for your player, especially if this is the the one of the best young talents in the sport. It's like it's like if Dallas is trying to trade Luka Doncic right now and they want to get a historical historical package, and that's what the Nats are going to want. And right now they are sitting at the worst record in the league, and they're going to want and they're going to want pieces to help them in the future because right now they're not competing. It's just it's tough. And where is the Nationals' head right now? Do they want to acquire a big star and have the foresight to build around him, like a Judge, Lindor, or somewhere in between? Or do they want to look at these teams and like, all your prospects, I want them. That's the thing. Because the Mets, Yankees, are they in a win-now state? Right, right? Yeah. Yeah, so are you willing to let go of those prospects that you have building up in, you know, the Scranton Rail Riders or, you know, the Long Island Yankees or whatever and have these guys build up? Are you willing to let those guys go to win now, next year, and possibly the year after? That's the thing. What do the Nationals want? Because he's not Juan Soto's not a free agent. Yeah, we have no idea what they're going to ask for. And the trade deadline is August 2nd. So we're, we have a decent amount of time between now and the deadline. So... Who knows? A deal could be done then, but the Nats could elect to just wait it out. I just know that Juan Soto will never, at least for many moons, I don't think he'll ever play in another Nationals game yeah, as that, a National. I think that bridge is going to be, that is burned. I think them flying, not flying Soto down to the All-Star game is just, that's just pretty disrespectful. He's yeah. your best player, and he's on your team, you're not even going to fly And he ended up down. winning some hardware with the home run there. Oh, yeah. Big good hardware. The thing what's interesting about baseball, though, before we move on here, is the contract things. 15 years? That's a little insane. 15 years, 440. That's it's bigger than any contract in sports. Baseball, we know they have no cap space, so they can offer the world to these players. Yeah. So, the, so 15 years, 440. That's a very, that's a very generous offer. I don't have a calculator on me right now, so I'm not going to calculate the AAV, but... That's a nice chunk of change. It is, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, but we know Juan Soto is... I've seen reports that it's going to be like the Herschel Walker trade. As we know, the Herschel Walker trade back in the 19, late 1980s, early 90s, that's the reason why the Cowboys were a dynasty in the 90s. They got all these first-round picks and players, and that's how they built their team. So this package is going to be huge. It's going to be probably bigger than any Kevin Durant package that could be thought up right now. But speaking of NBA players on the move, we just there's um, reports of Donovan Mitchell being possibly shopped around by the Utah Jazz, and the front runner for him is none other than my favorite team and his hometown team, the New York Knicks. How are we feeling about these uh, Donovan Mitchell rumors? I would absolutely love him in New York, but 
because there's a big B-U-T here, Always. Benjamin. Um, Jalen Brunson. I think his signing is interesting if you're trying to acquire Mitchell because I think they would clash. I don't think they would really coexist as well. You can't. It's going to be hard. They're not because neither of them are are great defenders by any means. And in yeah. a Tibbs run team, you need to play defense. Yeah, and you're going to have a lackluster defensive front court, and that's tough. And I think they should have been in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes earlier than. The Brunson signing. It was kind of tough then because they didn't put Mitchell on that trade block yet. It was more about moving Rudy Gobert. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think yeah. I remember even in the middle of the season, before even the postseason started, there was always talks of Donovan being disgruntled in the organization. Yeah, he hasn't officially requested a trade yet. That's the thing. He's been apparently he might be contesting at Utah this year, which I have no idea how he's able to do that, especially now with the team they have around him. But he. He didn't request a trade. The Jazz are just fielding offers. Apparently, the, a trade was actually offered by the Jazz to the New York Knicks. It was a it was a huge package. And as a Knicks fan, I'm happy they didn't accept the Knicks didn't accept this trade. It was a package of Quentin Grimes, who was All NBA Summer League First Team, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Miles McBride, and six first round picks. That's just an idea of what they're what they want for. Mitchell and I think the Timberwolves really screwed this the whole league up with this by accepting that huge, huge, huge package for Rudy Gobert that included five players and four picks. So that's just that just set the market so high mm-hmm. for these players. Yeah, it's very difficult, but the Jazz know what they have, you know. Yep. So they want it all, and they're in a state where Sam Presti was with the Thunder, right? Where it's like, I'm just going to collect all these first-round picks from all these people because I have these stars to shell out, and I can see what I can go, and I can control the draft capital. And there's always going to be teams who are aging and stuff like that, and they're always in pursuance of high picks. And where are those teams going to go to for some draft capital, perhaps trades? They'll go to the Thunder, and they'll go to the Jazz. And the Jazz also are in a serious rebuild state. They are yeah. far from the days of John Stockton and Carl. They're not. I mean, this listen, this Jazz team, since Mitchell was in the league, they've always been one of the best regular season teams. But as we know, championships aren't one in the regular season. They're one in the postseason. Yeah. They've only made it to the second round twice in Mitchell's tenure. And they've had some ugly, ugly, ugly collapses in that tenure. Back in 2020 in the bubble, they were up 3-1 against the Nuggets. And they blew that. Mm-hmm. And in the bubble. yeah, and in 2021 they were a one seed, and they were up two nothing against the four seed Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, mind you. And Paul they George. lost four straight to them, Paul and that was capitalized by blowing a 25 point lead in game in the series clinching game six. And I would be sick of that if I'm Donovan Mitchell. I I'm shocked he hasn't requested a trade yet. I think he's very nonverbal about it, but. Throughout the season, there was these little blurbs of him being disgruntled in the organization. And if I'm anybody who has an interest in Donovan, whether I'm New York, Miami, somewhere else, I'm going to try to fi- poke the bear a little bit and try to peel him in. And that's what New York should have been doing longer because that Jazz team, it, it was ready to explode. They were just ready to just shell out what they had to do. And they were looking four years into the future because they're not worried about now because their team is just not built for it. They're just not. Now the thing is with um if you said they were going to they should have presumed at the deadline. The thing that changed between then and now is that and this is why Leon Rose traded out of the first round in general. So they had pick 11. They traded out to get three first round picks 
And then they traded vets like Kemba Walker, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel to clear cap space. And now they have 11 first-round picks in the next eight years, and eight of those picks are tradable. So they want to use those picks now to acquire that big fish known as Donovan Mitchell. And we know Danny Ainge back from the Celtics days. We saw back in 2013, back in 2013 how he finessed the Brooklyn Nets for Paul Pierce, Garnett, and Jason Terry. How he got all those picks and acquired Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what, what Danny Ainge wants to do here. And this is... And with the Knicks, this is sort of similar to what they had experienced in 2011 with Carmelo Anthony demanding a trade from the Nuggets. The package for Melo was huge back then. I think it was Danilo Gallinari back when... All these guys were younger back then. Danilo Gallinari, Timofey Mozgov, Wilson Chandler, and a whole boatload of first-round picks. One of them, I remember, became Jamal Murray. The thing, the difference between this, this Knicks and those Knicks, the front office is smarter now, and now they have first-round picks that they could trade with ease because I know they would rather keep their players in their picks. I know they view right now they view Quentin Grimes as probably their most valued young player not named RJ Barrett mm-hmm. because the difference between because with Grimes, he's uh he, the summer league showed what he can be. He's improved as a playmaker and he's a obviously we knew he was a knockdown shooter and he's a great player on the perimeter. He's a great perimeter defender. But as but when you're trading for a star, you're going to have to give up. And if you're the Knicks, you're going to have to give up two of either quickly Grimes or Toppin and probably throw in a filler contract in there with at least five first-round picks. Mm-hmm. As a fan, I would be cool with that. But obviously, those young guys are fan-favorite guys. You don't want to see them go. But I think Knicks fans at this point, after seeing him trade after seeing Leon Rose trade out of the first round and after seeing him give that fat contract to Jalen Brunson, I think they're expecting a star to come to New York. And when Donovan Mitchell is right in your sights, I think they're expecting him to go grab to go get him like right now because Mitchell in if Mitchell plays in New York for three years, he would probably be a top ten player in their history already. That's just how bad the Knicks have been, especially in the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would love Donovan in New York, but I don't know the coexisting between him and Brunson. I think that's really interesting. Um, And both have New York ties, so I think they're pursuing that path that the Yankees like to do is find those guys that are from the New York, New Jersey area and kind of just bring them under the fold. But with the acquisition of Donovan Mitchell, the rest of the roster needs a lot of work to coexist with those guys too. They do, but the thing is the Knicks right now have a – Pretty deep. Right now, I would say they have 11 or 12 guys who, could, who are NBA ready who could play right now. And there's some league show that Miles McBride and Jericho Sims and Quentin Grimes are all worth three of those minutes. So, And the Knicks have a number of guys who they could trade. Basically, any guy not named R.J. Barrett or, I guess in this case, Jalen Brunson or Mitchell Robinson because they can't be traded till December. Anyone else on that roster is tradable. I don't think they'll trade Julius Randle for whatever reason. So I think um, I think the prime guys to be traded then are going to be Grimes, Quickly, Toppin, and probably someone like Evan Fournier also, just to make contracts work out. Yeah, and I think for the Jazz, that might be a win as well, because if you're in pursuance of these upcoming drafts with the Scoot Hendersons, the w- Victor Wembanyamas, Hey, Wembanyama, French guy, Rudy Gobert from France. Wembenyama, he's going to have a higher ceiling than Gobert. For sure, for sure. He has the interior defense of Rudy, apparently, and the offensive game of 
just Kevin about Durant, Kevin honestly. Durant. Yeah. So the thing about that is that would be a win for both teams because not only are the Jazz are going to be in the high lottery sweepstakes, but they're going to have young guys that when they pick that guy, they're going to just have a young, nice team like the Thunder do. Yeah, they're going to have guys who they can build around, and they're going to have some vets from um, the Minnesota trade, mm-hmm. and they're going to have probably a vet if they trade Donovan Mitchell. It's not going to be all young prospects and picks. Mm-hmm. So if I'm the Jazz, I gotta, I'm gonna, I gotta, need to do Donovan a service and get him out because right now you're wasting his prime years. He's... He just averaged 26 points a game this year. He's a three-time All-Star. He's only 25 years old. And the thing is with Donovan, he always shows up in the playoffs. No. He averages, I think he averages about around 29 points a game in the postseason. He's he's he great. always, he's never one of those guys who shies away from the big lights. And right now with the team, with training with Rudy Gobert, the Jazz are not, they're not even going to make the plan right now. They're, they're definitely going to be one of the worst teams in the conference. So... I need to get into full rebuild mode if I'm them. I need to acquire as many picks as possible. 2023 is a great draft class. And the Knicks have four first-round picks for that draft. You have to look, if I'm the Jazz, you have to look for a new tandem that works because you need something to put you over the hump because the Utah Jazz have always been a team that, you know, draft those guys, work with them for many years, but are always just one shot, right? So look at John Stockton and Carmelone. I'm sorry, but you lived through the 90s. That's MJ, okay? Then they acquired Darren Williams, right? And then Andre Kirilenko and Tyson Chandler, those kind of errors, right? All those guys they had, but they never took that extra hump. We might see the same pattern happen for the Utah Jazz where they acquire all these young guys, they try to build them up, and they never make it over that hump. I think another thing that they might have to do is Quinn Snyder. That That's another thing. It's like you have to find... Like a better guy. Well, he's well. Quinn Snyder has been gone for over yeah, a month. Yeah, they I have mean, the new guy from the Celtics, Will Hardy. Yeah, but I don't know if Will Hardy's going to be that guy. I doubt he will. They got to find that Jerry Sloan. Yeah, but then, then again, Jerry Sloan had his flaws too because he was a coach that was very controlling. He was part of. He's the reason why Darren Williams wanted out in the first place. Yeah, and you need a coach that can understand the new era of game because Jerry Sloan didn't translate well with the push into the 2000s he didn't do that very well he was a phenomenal coach he had like the same seven pick and roll plays that you know would work but i think the jazz this is simply just a a try out coach to find a better candidate because they need someone to really lock it down in utah and i think the front office should that should be a big concern of theirs after they ship donovan to wherever they deem him fit yeah donna yeah with the jazz it's it's tough for them right now because right now they're in sort of a limbo because is Will Hardy the guy? We have no idea. And will this team even make the plan? That's honestly a nine seed part of their ceiling with this team because right now it's just not good. Mm-hmm. That's what their team is just not good right now. It's not the same team as it was a few years ago or even last year. So the Jazz need to either commit to making that team better on Donovan or they need to ship Donovan and commit to the full rebuild. And I think they should do the latter because that ship has sailed. They've You've made it to the playoffs the last five years. Cool. Yeah. What have you done? You've made it to the second round twice, and you've gotten smacked in both of them. Yeah, that team is not. You're not going to compete with the guys like the Warriors, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Mavericks. It can go on and on and on. And you have you're going to have a young star who's rotting away in Utah, and you're just going to have a better service if you trade him away. And Danny Ainge, I mean, I understand his mentality. Try to get as many picks out of out of all the teams. We saw that with Boston. But he wants seven first round, at least seven first round picks with players for for Mitchell, 
I'm sorry. He's as good of a talent as he is. Seven first-round picks is absurd. Yeah. That's what James Harden went for. Plus guys like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. And Donovan is not the same type of player as James Harden was back then. No. But he does have a very high ceiling. He does do, He does have a high ceiling. I will and give him that. It's it's just so tough for Utah because they, I think I 100% agree with you, Ben. I think they should go full rebuild because I think also Jazz are known to not give Donovan what, they, what he wants anyway. Because... I know he's been having somewhat of a beef with Rudy Gobert for their their tenure together. Ever since ever since Gobert had that whole debacle with with him testing positive for COVID and then touching all the mics at that post game during the post game and him basically giving Donovan COVID, that's when the whole beef really started. Yeah, and the Donovan has made plenty of requests to the Jazz, and the Jazz haven't fulfilled fully. To what Donovan wants, and Ben, if you're a star player of a team and you simply ask for more shooters, more defense, more two way, and you don't receive it, you gotta give it to him, right? You yeah, gotta just you want to make him happy. And right now, what the Jazz are doing is making him unhappy. They're not. They're doing the opposite. Yes, exactly. I mean, no disrespect to guys like Malik Beasley and Pat Bev and guys like Walker Kessler. They're they're solid players. They're not gonna help you win now. No, you're giving. You have a worse supporting cast, and you also. Just traded um, Royce O'Neal, one of Donovan's best friends yeah. and solid play- one of the more solid players on that team. You just traded away to Brooklyn. So right now you're just gutting that whole roster that grew up with Donovan. And now they're all gone and replacing them if with some new you're eliminating everything Donovan has went through, stood for, and you plan on keeping them, that is just a very, very poor business decision. And if that somehow happens and they don't ship Donovan, I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan outright just doesn't play. Uh, I'd be infuriated with the organization trading me like this, you know, getting rid of my friends, like you said, O'Neal, um, never making requests like that. Uh, and I feel like the the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell relationship could have been saved, fixed, healed, whatever the word you want to use. But the front offices didn't, didn't even want to deal with it. Nope. They didn't want to deal with it. And that tandem could have worked, you know. We saw all over ESPN and Instagram those stats of, like, Rudy Gobert has less amount of passes than, you know, whatever. Like, these stats were, like, he doesn't get the ball. He gets the ball. He got the ball. Donovan passed the ball literally two times a game. Yeah, to Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert, 7-1, has the wingspan of, like, Godzilla. And he could be a force offensively. But the Jazz behind Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell never used him that way. No, and they didn't. That's also what led to their downfall too, because Rudy Gobert could be an interior force, but they didn't use him like that. And I find I'm gonna find this interesting. What they do in Minnesota? Do they use him for the same role, or they have him more offensively? Because that could be make things really interesting. I think with Minnesota and how Gobert's gonna fit, I think I think their plan is to just open things up for Cap more on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Which it look. I I have a soft spot for Minnesota. Carl Towns is both of our boys. Both yes. went to, both went to St. Joe's and touching. I I don't understand what the plan was. Yeah. Like I know Cat is one of the best shooting big men. I just think it's just going to clog up the paint and just make things harder to run the office cuz you have two clunky 7-footers yeah. just hogging up the paint, shrinking your rebounds, but you're going to get run out the gym by uh, these faster teams. Yeah, and I'm sure Carl Anthony Towns is going to play bully ball with, you know, the forwards, the fours of the league, but he's going to get run around by the other fours on defense. The other side, yeah. Because the league's trending towards, you know, wing more fours, and those guys are like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 and they're just going to run laps around Cat. But obviously back to Donovan, um, 
I would love to him and Juan to go to New York. Big Apple bound. I would love that. And I think it'd be really cool for both sports. And I think both trades could prove to be one of the bigger trades of this, you know, millennia. You know, yeah, with they, with these packages back. are getting bigger and bigger now by yeah. by the day, especially in the modern modern sports. But going back to the Knicks, how I feel like there should be a sense of urgency to get this trade done because they they were a four seed back in 2021, 41 and 31 with a team that was projected to be the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. They overachieve, they lose in five to the first round, but they turned heads and they showed that they can compete. They look like they improved the roster. Then they disappoint with a 37-45 record in 2022 with an 11 seed not making the plan. And now you have all these all these guys are put get put on blast. Leon Rose, Tom Thibodeau, Julius Randle. How how much urgency do you think the Knicks should have in acquiring someone like Mitchell to make them compete right away? I think they should definitely be urgent, but I think they should be cautious as well. Um, because like you mentioned before, Ben, these packages are a little bit ridiculous. And if you clean my house for one guy, sure, I get the guy I want, but at what cost, as Thanos once said. Um, I think they are in the front runners to acquire him, but there's teams like Miami that are just right there peeking through the bushes and waiting to pounce. The thing is, it's interesting with Miami because from all the reports I've seen, they don't, the Jazz don't want Tyler Hero. And that's, Miami's golden boy. That's who they're going to trade for any superstar. And the thing that separates Miami from the Knicks in terms of trades, Danny Ainge values picks, yeah. and the Heat do not have picks at all. They're all really their only valuable trade piece is Tyler Hero. No, and I'm not. I'm not going to disrespect Tyler Hero by any means. He's a phenomenal player, but they have nothing else to trade. Duncan Robinson at this point is a filler contract because he's getting paid 15 million dollars a year to sit on the bench as and Miami didn't use them. And they have picks. They have well, I think they have only two tradable first round picks. Mm-hmm. So I think right now I think the ties for New York and because the Knicks and Jazz have been talking about trades for the last um two weeks. And I doubt Miami would try is gonna be able to get this trade done because I think they're gonna try to focus more on acquiring Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Because I think they're um you know, Jimmy Butler's getting a little older. I think he's on the wrong side of 30 right now. Mm-hmm. So I think they would try to focus on getting someone like KD, who's obviously older than Mitchell, but he's he's Kevin Durant. You're going to yeah, try to get gonna, him. We're not going to shoot. We're not going to shy, sure. you're shy around him. But uh, if I'm the Knicks, I'm trying to get, I want to get this done before the summer ends. And multiple guys, Brian Winhor, Sham Sharania, Woj, they all reported that the Knicks are clearly the front runner and Donovan's going to want the Knicks. But things are at a stalemate right now, and this could be a dance that lasts the whole summer. So, right now, as fan, as Knicks fans anxiously t- check their Twitter to see if anything changed, they should just enjoy their summer, and that that includes myself. I'm I'll be checking Twitter every time to see if there's a Mitchell update. But there's as of right now, it seems like things are things are like um yeah things are at a stalemate, and hopefully things change. Maybe we'll see a trade in the near future. But as of right now. We just need to chill out a little bit. You, you all do. Turn off the phones, drink a pina colada, go to your local beach, and play football with, you know, with your friends. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. And, um, yeah, that's, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Peace out.